peace. Peace. Something we all long for, isn't it? Kind of wholeness. A a quiet. A quiet that's more than just quiet in the air, but just a, a sense of peace in our relationships and peace in our friendships and peace at work. Peace. The mom at home with their kids who have been arguing all day, she longs for peace, right? Maybe it's it is that work and the things that can't keep going, right? You want peace or you're in the middle of a semester that won't seem to end. You just want peace, peace, quiet, rest. You know, one of my favorite things about snowstorms like we had, even though it was a really lousy snowstorm um, this past week, is that there's kind of like a blanket of quiet that comes over the world, right, as we Stay inside and wait for the storm to pass. Peace. The past several weeks, we've looked at Advent and hope in our first week of the Gospel of Luke. Last week, we looked at uh, Mary's song, and we saw we talked about Advent and worship, that, that hope that we have in the waiting, that this hope that we have in the Messiah Jesus coming leads to a worship of him with our lives. In this week... We're going to talk about peace. And we'll see that God steps into our strife to give us his peace. He steps into our messiness, our brokenness, our woundedness, and our world to give us his peace. Many of the themes that we've seen in the Gospel of Luke keep coming up again and again. And I think that's intentional, and I think it's good that we pay attention. And so we're going to look at the theme of a song. We saw Mary's song last week. We're going to do Zechariah's song this week. So if if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, please turn to Luke chapter 1. We're still in chapter 1 of Luke. Uh, We're going to start in verse 57, and we're going to read through the end of the passage. Hear God's word. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother responded, no, he will be called John. Then they said to her, none of your relatives has that name. So they motioned to his father, to find out what he wanted him to be called. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came on all those who lived around them and all these things were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard about him took it to heart saying, what then will this child become? For indeed, the Lord's hand was with him. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he had visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hands of those who hate us. 
He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. He has given us the privilege, since we have been rescued from the hands of our enemies, to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew up and became spiritually strong, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Our first point this morning is going to be peace through silence. Peace through silence. What's here? Nine months have passed since the angel visited Zechariah in the, in the sanctuary of the Lord and told him that his wife of old age was going to have a baby. And now Elizabeth is full term. She's about ready to give birth. And the text says that she does. Just kind of matter-of-factly says that. And you can imagine in the small town that they lived in, like the way so many small towns work, that the news about Elizabeth traveled quite fast. Did you hear Elizabeth is going to have her baby? As the game of, of town telephone was played and then the word carried about. And, and the response to the town people isn't jealousy, it, it isn't unbelief, but it's, it's a rejoicing. That it says, the text says that her neighbors and her family, they rejoiced with her in what God had done. And as custom would have it, they would have the baby circumcised on the eighth day. And while there, they presumed that this child would be Zechariah Jr., little Zach Jr. And you can almost sense in the moment how this is going to go. They get done with the circumcision and they present the baby. And this is, and Zech and, and Elizabeth's like, no, 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 no. He's going to be called John. They're like, Let's, John? You want him to be called John? And they're like, where's, where's dad? Where's dad at? And they see Zechariah. And they're like, what's he going to be called? And remember, Zechariah, he has lost his speech. And actually, we can, we can kind of presume from some of the things we read in the text and some of the grammar behind the loss of speech is that he was probably also deaf. So they're motioning to him like, Right? And he's like, someone, he's motioning for the writing tablet, and they bring him over a piece of writing tablet that apparently he and his wife had been communicating with throughout this whole season of, of nine months of him not being able to talk and probably hear in Zechariah, and it says in verse 63, asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And his response written on that tablet that day is remarkable. Because notice what he doesn't, how he doesn't say it. He doesn't say that, and this child is going to be called John, but rather this child's name is is already John. Zechariah is recognizing that this baby has a name. 
and that this name was given to him by God back when the angel Gabriel visited him in the sanctuary. And that name was going to be John, that God is gracious. And Zechariah's confession at the presentation of his son is none other than a confession in the faith in the God that he once doubted. If you remember in chapter 1, Zechariah, he didn't believe what God was going to say, what God said to him. But now, in this moment, he says, no, this is John. This is exactly who the angel said it is. What made Zechariah change his mind? I imagine a couple things. The fact that an angel basically made you not be able to talk and probably hear for a while probably had a lot to do with it. But I think he also had nine months of silence. Nine months of waking up every day and the last thing that you said was unbelief to an angel and the last thing you probably heard was what the angel said about your son. And he went each day thinking that the vision that was planted in his brain still remained in the sound of silence. Thank you. Someone's tracking with me. And in the silence and in that muteness, he reflected on all that God had said. And as he saw his wife's belly grow, he saw his own faith grow. And he confesses that baby's names and it says, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was set free. And what does a free tongue do? It praises God. And the people around him, they're, they're just amazed, right? We got this rejoicing over the fact that this baby was born and now we have fear and rejoicing over what? It says, it says that they were like afraid, like what is going on here? Like this guy, like he went into the tent one day, he came out not being able to talk and now he names his kid and now he can talk. Something is happening here right before our eyes. God was breaking through, and they knew it. And I find it just a little bit fascinating that when God does begin to break through, the response is joy and fear, often. We're going to see it again in chapter 2. Joy and fear go hand in hand. There's just a sense of amazement and awe and wonder, but there's also a sense of joy and expectation in that I I think it's just a little bit fascinating that when God breaks into the world, that he, that when he says stuff to his people, that when he's trying to communicate, that his first word isn't a word of judgment, that his first word is a word of who he is. And we see a little bit of who he is by the very fact that this baby boy is named John. He is gracious. Which leads to our next point, peace through presence. Have you ever hung around someone that's always singing? Always singing. Like a randomly burst into song. And I, I tend to think those people are pretty fun to hang around, with, hang around with. They're songs for everything and they can pick up on them. And our culture has a whole set of songs just for being happy, right? Um, we can think of I'm Walking on Sunshine 
Hey, don't it feel good? Um, clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. I still don't even know what that means. Um, I feel good. Singing is a natural outflow of joy. And excitement leads to song. And Zechariah responds to all of this with his own kind of song known as the Benedictus, which is Latin for the word blessed. Mary's response to God was a song, beautiful poetry to who God was. Zechariah's response is similar. And the first thing that Zechariah notes in his own tune to God is that God had visited. Look at verse 68. Blessed is the Lord the God of Israel, because he has, what, visited and provided redemption for his people. Zechariah is prophesying, and he says, blessed be God, because he has shown up. He has visited. He is stepping in to the world and is providing redemption for his people. He has delivered them, and he has called them out. And like scholars think that what's in the background Zechariah's mind is the Exodus story that we've mentioned before, I think back in week one, that, that God is now delivering his people like he did in the past as he brought them away from slavery, out of bondage, out of oppression, and into new life with him. He is now doing that again. He is leading his new people, this new Exodus of his new people home. And what he is he delivering them from? He's delivering them from, verse 69, he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. God is delivering his people from their enemies. This is Messiah language. And the Messiah is someone who's going to deliver God's people. And let's remember that the general expectation at the time was that the Messiah is going to be one to deliver the people from oppression, oppression that they feel from Rome, oppression that they feel from the world around them. And this passage expects Jesus to come and to do that. Zechariah kicks off this song with praise to God and awareness of his presence with his people. And I think Zechariah was also aware of God's presence with him after those nine months of silence. That God had stepped into Zechariah's strife to bring him peace. And now Zechariah, he just feels caught up in the story of this God. Last week I asked you to take some time to see if you could trace the hand of God in your life. Looking at each season and seeing where God has brought you and taken you. And not only did God bring you from places, friends, I think what this passage shows us in the response to Zechariah is that God is also with us in each season. The lack of faith Zechariah had at the beginning 
and the silence that followed led him to be aware of God's presence now. God has brought salvation and his bringing his salvation. Zechariah is aware, aware of this and he is stepping into this story with a song of faith for what God is doing. It brings to our next point. Peace through following. Zechariah then moves to the next portion of the song and he says this in verse 72. He says, He has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant that we, having been rescued from the hands of our enemies, would serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. Zechariah's song is a song about God stepping in to a broken world and the God that is present to a broken world. And Zechariah is now seeing his own story as a part of what God was doing in his story. And he begins to see his God for who he is again, as a God who keeps his promises, who keeps his promises to Abraham, who kept his promise to David. And he begins to realize that he is now being rescued. And he says that in response to this rescue of God, that we're given the privilege of following him. And that we can worship him without fear and without worry in his presence. Friends, God has rescued you those of you in Christ Jesus, so that you can now serve him without fear. He has rescued you right now from the presence of your enemies. Consider the great enemy death. In Jesus, he has rescued us from death. It no longer gets the last word in any story for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is now just an event, a moment on the timeline of that person's life, eternal life with God. He gets the last word over our enemy death. He's rescued us from the world. We can now live for God, pursue him. We're freed up to follow him. We're freed up from, from chasing things like materialism and we're chasing things like wealth and facing things like pride and striving after things that don't really satisfy. We're freed from those things. And now we are delivered and now given the privilege of serving him, the one in whom we find ultimate satisfaction. And then finally, he's delivered us from self. He's rescued us from our flesh and our sin and the things that hold us back from him. Fear, shame, guilt, fear over what's going to happen, shame over what we've done, guilt because we feel guilty, He has now rescued us in Christ. He's done away with those things. And now you can worship God without fear of what he thinks for you, without fear of rejection, without fear because no one, even in the taking of a life, God is victorious over that. We can worship God without fear and just follow him. It's why Christians all over the world gather together Worshiping God without fear in places where they could be killed or persecuted because they know that Christ has defeated that. They worship without fear because of who Christ is.
I think Zechariah is acutely aware of God's rescue of him. After all, he's been made known of his own faith or lack thereof. And he sees this is an invitation to serve him. So friends, in what ways have you settled for lesser things? What things cause you to be afraid to go before God's presence? And can I encourage you to look at this and say that you have a God who can redeem you and bring you into his presence and who does that through Jesus. You don't have to fear. You're freed to serve him. You are freed to serve him with that messy relationship that you need wholeness brought to. You're freed to serve him as you pursue mundane work that feels like it's going nowhere, knowing that God is doing something with it. You're freed to serve him because he has rescued you. So whatever it is that causes you strife, whatever it is that feels set against you from worshiping God, whatever it is that's holding you back from submitting your whole life to God, can I invite you to lay it before him because he has freed you and given you the privilege now of serving him. Several years back, I was we were living in Louisville at the time. I got to see this kind of like brought up in person, like right before my eyes. It was a baptism service at my last, at my church in Louisville. And I remember this guy named Mike getting up and what, the way it worked there is the baptismal tank is over here and, and the person would stand up and someone would read, someone else would read their testimony. And like Mike's testimony was one of those testimonies that you don't really forget because it's like, he was in a gang, he was selling drugs. I think he was in, probably in some sort of violent activity too. I don't really know. But he was like deep into this lifestyle, tats all over, not that there's anything wrong with tats. And uh, although he had Rick Pitino on his lower left calf, which I always thought was weird. Um, (laughs) Once you live in Louisville, you're kind of stuck there, I guess. And, uh, but he just, he loved Jesus now. Like Jesus like came and interrupted his whole life. And there was some serious brokenness, but I saw Mike like be baptized and literally raised to new life because, because of what Christ has done. And I saw him just kind of begin to reorient his whole life. And there was some messiness and brokenness and, and baggage, but I saw him like try to step up and be a good dad for his kids. He had some intense brokenness with his own father that he began to, to pursue his father in relationship with him because when I asked him about it, he's like, Christ pursued me. And so I'm doing that with my father. I'm watching a man like be changed by who Jesus and is now shown that he doesn't need to chase money anymore. It's shown that he doesn't need to chase drugs anymore, but he has been freed up to serve God. And I watched him submit his whole life to him. Christ enters our strife to give us his peace. And like Zechariah, we walk into the story of God by believing him, being aware of his presence and being freed up to serve him. Which brings us to our last point this morning, peace through God's work. This passage of Zechariah's prophecy concludes with a prophecy about his son. It says in verse 78 that because of God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Such a beautiful picture, I think, isn't it? Our God is a merciful God that because of his compassion and love, a dawn is coming 
The season has been dark for God's people. 400 years of silence. Foreign occupation tossed through and f- to and fro by empires, community divisions, family strife, on and on and on. But Zechariah speaks of a day that's now here in Jesus that the sun is starting to rise in its shining light on all of that stuff. The dark is creepy, isn't it? Nighttime, if you struggle with anxiety or depression, can be hard. It's the time when all of the thoughts fill our minds. Some of us who can't sleep well at night, we we wait for morning to come. We can kind of get busy and maybe forget about some of those things. The dark is what kids are afraid of, right? And nighttime is also a time, and darkness is a time when we feel vulnerable, right? Have you ever been walking in a city alley alone at night? That's dark. It can feel very vulnerable and lonely. If you've ever been walking in the woods in the evening, you can feel very exposed, like there's animals that seem to know where you are, but you don't know where they are. Darkness is scary. And such is the state of the world and a person apart from God. And Zechariah speaks of dawn, coming, of light peeking up over the horizon, piercing through this darkness. And who doesn't love a beautiful sunrise? And Zechariah said that God's light is now shining over the horizon and that this light will guide us into a way of peace. And there it is again, peace. And if you're familiar all with the Bible, you may have known that Zechariah is playing off of Isaiah 59. And here's verses 1 and then verses 8. It's kind of long. It's worth reading the whole thing. It says, Indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save. This is God speaking to his people. Um, And his ear not too deaf, but your iniquities are separating you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. Isaiah the prophet speaking that that God's arm is not too weak to save, but sin has separated them from God. And then it goes on to say all sorts of condemning things about them. And then it says this, they have not known the path of peace. And there is no justice in their ways. They have made their roads crooked and no one who walks on them will know peace. That was many, many years before Isaiah said this. And Isaiah says now that that God who is not weak to save is now breaking through and showing us the way of peace when we're far from him. It is God's work that makes the path of peace known. And it is Jesus himself who comes and displays who the path of peace is. It is him and how he, he, he lives a life of perfect justice. He lives a life of perfect love and he lays out before his people. And we're gonna see this over and over and over again that the life of peace before God is a life of justice, of wholeness and of flourishing. Not in a physical material sense, but of 
but a way of living and being in the world. And this all happens because of God's merciful compassion. That he bridges this gap. That his arm isn't too weak to save. That he extends out into broken people. You know, I love this path of peace imagery and this Messiah imagery because I think there's a longing deep inside of us for peace, like I said at the beginning of the sermon. And then in this time, rulers were so crooked all the time. In this time, there was so much corruption There was so much exploitation that people were just longing for this Messiah to come to give them peace again, to give them wholeness. And friends, Jesus has come and he has begun that process. In one day, there will be perfect wholeness, perfect peace, perfect restoration, perfect flourishing. Each of us is in a season of life right now. Your season might be a great season. Your season might be dark. Some of you might be waiting for God to show up. Some of you might have forgotten that God has shown up. But this passage helps us remember that he has shown up and that the sun is starting to rise. He's always shown up. He didn't stop his plan with Abraham. He didn't stop with Jacob. He didn't stop with Zechariah in spite of his weak faith. And he will not stop with you. That sun will keep rising. Dawn has come. It's getting brighter and the way of peace is being known and laid before us that we can walk in it until Jesus returns and that sun fully shines.